Hi everyone, I'm Amelia Quint, and I'm here today with Jessica Crispin on the first official episode of Bad Astrologers Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological world of the heavens. First things first, thank you so much to all our wonderful patrons. Everything we're doing is made possible through magical people like you. If you're already a patron, congratulations. We hope you're having fun listening to this episode early. You've given us so much love already, and we couldn't wait another moment to give back to you. If you haven't become a patron yet, what are you waiting for? There's lots of exciting bonuses coming up, including a forecast on the first of the month, a live Q&A on the 15th of the month, where you can ask me and Jessa a question about your personal natal chart, and bonus episodes too. Our first bonus episode will be all about the Saturn-Pluto South Node madness that we're calling the Dadpocalypse. If you want the full story on that nickname, you'll just have to join us to find out. Another super easy way to support us is to leave us a review on iTunes. To everyone who's already left a review, we see you and we love you. Remember, the more positive reviews we receive, the more mystically-minded people will see this podcast and the more our community will grow. Finally, if you aren't already, follow us on social media. Jessa runs our Instagram, and I'm on Twitter, both of which are at badastrologers. We'll be asking you lots of questions as we prep for our upcoming star sign stereotype series, so don't hesitate to add us or slide into our DMs to tell us which assumptions about your sign you find most irritating, or which ones turn out to be the most accurate. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, let's take a deep breath and start the show. When you got into astrology, didn't you do it because you wanted to predict the future just a little bit? We all want to know what our lives have in store for us, and the stars have always twinkled with the promise of exerting just a little more control over what comes next. But if myth, legend, and literature are any indication, it's dangerous to know your fate before it happens, or at the very least, it comes at a high cost. So in this episode, Jessa and I explore the good, the bad, and the ugly sides of prognostication and what they mean for the practice of astrology. So this is a conversation that we've had before, and I'm sure lots of astrology lovers have had before, but it's one that's very important. So I felt like we should share it with all of our listeners, too. So I know a lot of people, maybe less so now, but uh, definitely in the past have gotten into astrology as a way to predict the future or practice prognostication. Um, But my question for you is, how well do you think that actually works? Well, I guess it depends on your definition of work. Um, mm. In the sense of, like, does the stuff come true? Yeah, I guess, sometimes. Um, but does it do the person any good? I think is kind of a more uh, interesting question and also probably a more important question uh, because... 
definitely, I think, you know, both of us have been in situations where we're receiving readings from somebody else. And clearly that person just wants to give us good news. And so yes. <laughs> tells us this nice thing is going to happen to us. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. And then what does that actually do? I mean, what does that do? When, when you've had those readings, does it actually make you feel better after? And how does it sort of affect you psychologically? That's a really good question. So I would say in times when I've experienced that, where let's say I have a reading with someone and it's like aggressively positive during a time when I was having a, a Saturn transit or a Pluto transit, and uh, someone told me it's all going to be fine. It actually made everything so much worse um, because mm. I didn't address the problems that I needed to be addressing or just frankly, like it, it didn't change anything. You can say all you want. Oh, everything's going to be fine. But I think the strength in astrology is knowing the times when it is going to uh, be extremely shitty. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. You can't just hold your breath through a Saturn transit, right? Like you can't just hide in a closet not. and wait for it to be over. You have to have <laughs> to engage with the issues that are that are erupting, you know. Maybe it's that I am like uh Virgo Venus and like I know you have a ton of Virgo in your chart as well. And so like the mm. best readings that I've gotten are the ones where it was like okay, this is going to be really bad. Your life is going to blow up. But here is like a to-do list of things that you can actually go out and accomplish that will not only make it better in the moment, it might not be fun, but it'll make it better. Um, and then mm -hmm. it will help you come out of that with a better outcome. That's just so much mm -hmm. better of an approach, I think. Yeah. How about you? So, Have you ever had a reading mm -hmm. where someone told you, oh, it's gonna be fine, and then like your life sort of imploded? Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely had uh readings where someone was like oh, and it was again like a saturn transit i don't know why everybody but uh <laughs> you know uh, the saturn transit ends in august you'll feel like you can breathe again um and i remember it did end in august and i felt like i could breathe again and then two weeks later a pluto transit started that she, oh, <laughs> she had not warned me about <laughs> and so everything was a disaster again but it was a nice two weeks it was okay wonder how much of that is like I feel like there is an immense pressure in readings or in astrological writing that you're being paid for especially to be relentlessly positive with things right um mm -hmm. and to say no like this is gonna change your life and it's gonna empower you and like while that may be true that doesn't mean that you aren't going to I don't know like sit under your keyboard and like have a breakdown and sob for like an entire day and then have to like I don't know pick up like all the pieces of your life eventually um yeah it doesn't yeah. actually help you know right and then, of course, there are a lot of times when somebody makes a wild prediction based on something and has been tragically wrong, right? So, sure. Um, that's also that's also the problem with prognostication is that most astrologers and tarot card readers are actually really bad at it. Mm -hmm. That was actually one of the most damaging readings I ever got was somebody I was having Jupiter on my midheaven, and you know, someone was like, "You're going to be really big in this year," and 
uh, you know, all these uh, health, wealth, whatever is going to come to you. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, that was sort of true. But Jupiter just exaggerates everything. So since everything was getting all messed up, it was like it just came in and exaggerated all the bad things <laughs> um, instead of, I don't know, delivering me to great life success or something like that. Have you ever experienced someone making like a a prediction for you? Or are you making a prediction for them that turned out like eerie accurate, like super creepy? Yeah, it's it's sort of a legend in my friends group because the first uh, reading astrological reading that I had with um, the woman who turned out to be kind of my astrological mentor said in our first meeting well you're not going to fall in love until you're 40 anyway and i was 26 uh and i mentioned this you know at the dinner party that i was hosting that night oh this bitch told me (laughs) that i'm not going to experience love until i'm 40 and uh when it was announced that i got married you know the day after my 40th birthday i got a lot of emails from friends who were at that dinner (laughs) (laughs) wow that's amazing what a cool story though like it actually worked out yeah yeah Yeah, who the fuck knows one of the things that i think is really hard about astrology in general astrology prediction um is the patience required to see certain things through right because certain transits Mm -hmm. take years to get through like if you're having a pluto transit and and it's particularly bad. That could be going on for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, 14 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's sort of a desire, I think, to have these immediate results because, like, maybe that's what some astrologers are promising or we are offering this advice that's just like everything is going to be okay instead of, um, you know, helping people persevere through, through the difficult. Uh, things that take a really, really long time. And like you were saying, sometimes you'll predict something and it says like, uh, you're gonna get married or find love when you're 40. For me, people keep telling me that I'm gonna do something really important when I'm 37. And I'm 30. And Mm -hmm. I first got this prediction when I was 25. So I've just been trying to stay alive, do my thing so I can do apparently whatever is so important when I'm 37. I don't know what it is. But... Well, yeah, it's that's the thing is, you know, even if you see that kind of thing in a client's chart, do you tell them? Like, do you say it out loud? What does it, you know, being 26 and hearing that was um, unpleasant, I guess. Uh, and how I felt about that prediction, of course, changed wildly over the years. Um, mm-hmm. When I would fall in love with somebody, I'd think, oh, see, she was wrong it's nonsense and then it would immediately fall apart or whatever um so yeah if you for whatever reason saw something that bright and clear in someone's chart would you say it out loud it completely depends on the situation and the client um it's a very personal is not the right word but it's just a very subjective decision i have to use use my intuition and try to see if we're talking about prognostication, like what might happen if I tell them and weigh the cost benefit ratio. And I've done both. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I've told people, sometimes I haven't. Um, It's also a matter of what it is and will, will they be ready to receive that information? Right. Because Mm -hmm. let's say someone is in a really bad relationship. Um, 
a lot of times if you're the person to say, you're in this horrible relationship and you need to get out, the response is going to be, I can't believe that you trash talked my relationship. I love so-and-so, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's not really like serving Mm -hmm. them for you to tell them. I did have a client once. I made a lot of predictions for her that were like extremely accurate. Um, She ended up, I was like, you are going to get so much healthier this year. Um, But Mm -hmm. then I saw in her chart, she was living with someone planning to get uh, married to this person. Um, And I saw in her chart that she had a Saturn return coming up uh, between her seventh and eighth houses. And I was like, holy crap, what do I tell her? Do I tell her? Um, And she had a few inklings that things were going to get weird, but mostly it was sort of everything seemed fine. So I I felt in that moment just listening to, you know, intuition and, and her emotions at that moment that this was a journey she needed to go on on her own. If I was to say that, that wasn't actually going to be helpful for her growth, right? That's the difficult thing about being an astrologer is that we are in this very powerful and privileged position to tell people things about their lives. So we have to be careful, right, about telling them. There was someone else who I did ultimately tell them, um, you know, you're going to go on to become this very illustrious, uh, successful person. And, and that did come to pass. And I saw that in their chart and went ahead and told them but that was another moment where I'm like but if I tell them like what if it wrecks the whole thing like what if what if that person ends up not going on to do this important thing because I told them but it's just a very in the moment decision how do you handle it with clients that you've worked with I don't do it really Um, and part of that is because um I've had people predict things for me that didn't come to pass Mm. um and it had been really hurtful and especially because there's oh my god there was this I'm not going to use her name there was a (laughs) you know like an internet astrologer who had a blog that was a big deal for a while like 10 years ago or something like that but um she had this post about she had told one of her clients that love was coming for her and then nothing happened and the client got really angry at her and she's like well Sometimes if you don't show up for your own life, that's what happens. Love showed up for you, but you didn't show up for it. I was like, you fucking bitch. Like this person is obviously lonely. You lied to them because you, you know, took the simplistic way of reading their chart. Mm -hmm. um, And then you cause them further hurt and shame. So I don't do it. Uh, Or I don't do it intentionally sometimes something slips out uh that i don't have any control over but that's another story (laughs) uh which we'll maybe talk about later right right. but um but yeah i just i just don't do it uh i'll say you know if i see something troubling coming up i'll be you you know i'll say prepare for this and this is an area of your life or whatever but yeah i i don't do the thing where um you you're gonna meet somebody or you're gonna get this job and yeah I mean it's really hard in an hour-long setting to see every nuance anyway sure Um, and there's always there's always the unconscious desire when you have somebody who's in front of you who's upset to make them feel better Um, and that can influence how you're reading a person's chart or their cards and I think that that's just um 
I think that then you're getting into a weird, uh, unintentionally weird territory. That is so interesting. Have and you, oh, go ahead. Have you ever predicted something that didn't come about? Sure, plenty of times, or like more likely than, or more often than that, um, it will come to pass, but in a very different kind of way, right? So one thing that blows my mind about astrology is that, um, you know, there's the standard, like the seventh house is your marriage or love relationship, and your eighth house Mm -hmm. is debt and taxes, but um, is way, way more nuanced than that and way more complicated. And so obviously under those umbrellas and like under the umbrellas of the planets, there's thousands of things that it could possibly mean, right? So right. discerning which thing it is is very tricky and not always accurate. Um, you know, maybe you predict it, if, say it's a six house thing, you could predict it would be related to the day job, but it ends up being health, right? Um I think about this a ton when I'm writing horoscopes because I want the Mm. horoscopes to be accurate and I get really annoyed with vague horoscopes. I'm like, okay, like tell me something, like tell me something that's going to happen. Like do, do the thing, do the job. Um, Don't just tell me it's all going to get better in this very like vague kind of way. Um, But I feel this weird responsibility when I'm writing for like all the Tauruses to try to include like as many options of how things could turn out for them as possible. Right. Um, Another Mm. thing on that note that I uh, just struggle with in my practice is so again with astrology, especially in recent years, maybe always, I feel like there's this desire for immediate gratification. Like um, let's say that your Saturn return is going to happen on a Tuesday. Like people expect to get the full lesson of their Saturn return on that Tuesday injected into their brain, right? And mm. that's just not how that works at all. I mean, first of all, it's not how it works because the Saturn return is a whole process. But like sometimes, like especially, I find it especially true with eclipse cycles. Um, it might take years for you to fully understand what that eclipse cycle was about. Right. For me, a lot of the times it's it's <laughs> yeah. not so much that like, wow, that eclipse didn't come true. I'm making air quotes right now. Um, but it's more like you are so far in that moment. You are not able to p- pull back and see what's actually happening to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had I had uh, when there was the total solar eclipse uh a couple of years back yeah um oh yeah it was directly on my venus mm. um and i was wow. like this is gonna this is really gonna turn things around for me uh it it, it did not uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, saw it and I was like oh good finally like a real just blowout just like let's get through all the shit like let's and then no no nothing <laughs> That's so amazing. One thing, uh, this reminds me that sometimes, so obviously people use astrology to predict politically, right? But I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of like arrogant or like presumptive to think that you have all of the political knowledge of the whole world that you would possibly know what's going on behind the scenes to be able to predict like Social media has yeah. given us a lot of confidence to try to think of you yeah. know, that we know what's going on with that. 
No, that total eclipse was amazing. And having it on your Venus. So if you didn't experience it as like the big romantic blowout that changed your life, like how did you experience it? What ended up happening? Um, like a a waterfall of dick, like just constant <laughs> dick, <laughs> just coming well, from every direction, subsuming, uh, overwhelming dick. That's that's how I experienced it, which would, I would associate with Mars, but it was just like a constant. Um, I don't know. I could totally see that with Venus. Yeah, there was so much. Isn't so your much. Saturn right there too? Maybe Saturn was just yep. like messing it all up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar experience with that specific eclipse because like, I don't know if you guys know this, but Columbia, South Carolina, where I live, it was like the best viewing place in the entire world for that specific eclipse. And so like South mm. Carolina had like all this tourism of people like coming to view the eclipse and um i was really curious about like how was it going to change my life since i was like actually in the path of the solar eclipse i got to see the thing happen um and and while it was beautiful and majestic and maybe the coolest thing i'll ever see um besides the rolling Mm -hmm. stones um (laughs) it its influence was very subtle right Um, It was in my ninth house and I returned to like working at the university and I wrote my first book proposal. Like it was pretty straightforward. Um, I feel like people, I feel like so many uh, contemporary astrologers put way too much emphasis on the eclipses. Um, It's always in this sort of like doom, get ready for it. It's going (laughs) to fucking change everything for you. And then it happens and you're like, oh, I got I got like a, 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 I didn't pay my taxes by like a hundred dollars asking for a hundred dollars more. Like that's, oh. that's generally how eclipses happen <laughs> that's for me. It's just like extremely oh, mundane. Oh, oh, hundred dollars. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that is really, really funny. Wow. Yeah. I, okay. I feel the same way. I follow eclipse cycles and I find them meaningful, but really most meaningful after being able to look back in retrospect and see how I changed over time as a human, not just like on this day, this happened to me. Um, but I right, think yeah. so much, too much emphasis is placed on new and full moons too. I mean, every, I yeah. feel like every new or full moon now is like, a, it's a super moon. It's a pink moon. It's yeah. a wolf moon. It's yeah. a whatever. And it's going to change your life. And I'm like, you guys know we have two of these every month. <laughs> yeah, we have there's other there's other shit in the sky that we have to think about. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. It's a, I I feel like it's important. The the moon prediction thing. So this is kind of something that I I wouldn't say I've struggled with it, but I do think about it. So I feel like it's easy to once you're aware of the moon signs, try to overplan by what sign the moon is in. Again, it's like the Virgo jumped out. But um well, can I yeah. Can I say something shitty? Yes. I feel like the overemphasis on the moon uh, in modern day astrology is mostly because it changes all the time. So there's new content to write about and everybody <sighs> needs a new blog post and everybody needs a new tweet. And so it's just this thing of like this thing that you can do. It's it's a thing that you can say and it sounds important and accurate 
but it's not. I don't think that for the most part, it really has a large, I mean, I'm a cancer and I'm the most moon oriented person in the world, but uh, it's, I just don't feel different from uh, moon sign to moon sign. And I, but I feel like the emphasis on it is just because, well, yeah, there's a new moon and there's a full moon. That's two blog posts, you know? <laughs> um, I feel like that's, that's why we put so much attention on it. You are not alone. I think about that all the time. Isn't it convenient that the moon sign changes every two and a half days, right? Yeah. There's your Instagram yeah. content for the week. Fucking nothing, another thing to say about the moon being in Leo. Um, mm-hmm. Although the moon is in Leo today and I use it to get my hair cut and it, it worked. The moon in Leo haircut thing is real. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm sure it's beautiful. I have my progressed moon in Leo right now. And if I could, mm. I would just like bottle it and drink it every day. It's like, I wish I could have this much unwarranted confidence all the time because <laughs> as someone who has like mostly squares everywhere, this is not my natural state. It's not normal. Um, no, I love that you said that, especially because like, I feel like the sort of throwaway thing to say about cancers is, well, you feel the tides of the moon more than everybody else so pay attention to it so the fact yeah. that it doesn't influence I mean, you all fine. that much yeah it's fine i never remember <laughs> i feel like it's really healthy when you practice astrology to take that approach sometimes i mean yes plan things by astrology it totally works but also life still has to happen and yeah, sometimes <laughs> I found like you'll look back and the astrology, it might not have seen like if you were analyzing it and being like, I'm going to plan this for this day, you might have been like, ooh, that wasn't a good choice. But when you look back, you realize it actually happened at the perfect time and everything is great. Um, So kind of circling back to the prognostication, I mean, that's interesting about the planning thing, because then I don't know, like, um, I believe in happy accidents, which I guess now maybe I'm just somebody who prefers not to know what's going to happen. Uh, um, <laughs> I know that some people do, and, and especially, you know, and there are definitely times when I've gone to, uh, you know, fortune tellers. Uh, I've had, you know, I, ha- I went through a breakup, had my coffee, gr- coffee grounds read in Istanbul, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm just somebody who doesn't want to know. And the funny thing is like coming from such a a literature background, like prophecy is a curse in most stories. (laughs) Like it's, it's a bad (laughs) thing. It's a punishment. It ruins somebody. It's, it's just something I I absolutely understand the impulse of wanting some control over the uncontrollable, but at the same time, uh, it's a curse. Uh, Read the Greeks. They understand. (laughs) Yes, they totally understand. I mean, here's the thing, like the, the dangers of prognostication isn't lost on modern culture either. Like one of my favorite episodes of Game of Thrones, problematic though it may be, was the one where Cersei, as a young, young, young girl, goes to the Woods Witch. And she says, I want you to tell me if I'm going to be queen. And the wood witch warns her and says, everyone wants to know their future until they know their future. And Cersei pushes her and she tells her, yeah, you're going to be queen, but you're going to literally lose everything after that. 
Um, I mean, the, these stories, they just keep getting told. So I'm curious, like, how do you um, reconcile that desire for happy accidents or the great body of literature that exists, like just thinking about uh, Oedipus especially, um, that tells us that yeah. prognostication is both dangerous or a curse? Well, you know, it's funny. I was researching this piece that I uh, was writing for the New Republic and it was about sort of new age culture invading the democratic nominees. Um, and dark psychic forces. This, I'm sorry. Yeah, dark psychic. Uh, Marion Williamson didn't make it into the debate. I'm so upset about this. Anyway, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, apparently, when Bill Clinton was in office, Hillary brought in. Marianne Williamson and Jean Houston as her spiritual advisors. And I think it was Jean Houston who told her that she, it was her fate to become leader of America and that she was going to be the Joan of Arc of women. And this is just so, this to me has been wildly illuminating as to what the fuck is wrong with Hillary Clinton because yeah. she ran her whole campaign as if she truly believed that she was the Joan of Arc of women, right? Like yeah, that this absolutely. was her throne. She just had to ascend to it and that everyone would just fall in line, that the army would uh, recognize her as their true leader and she would ride into victory and free white women everywhere. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then that's what happened. But that's what I think is so dangerous about these kinds of um, these prognostications of even if, even if she were, so even if she was going to be Joan of Arc, probably the worst thing you could do to tell somebody who's power hungry like that is to tell them that they're going to be Joan of Arc. You don't tell Moses that he's Moses, right? Yeah, You don't tell absolutely. Jesus that he's Jesus until uh, he has some sort of emotional capacity to handle the information. You can't just sort of tell them and then, you know, the 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 uh, arrogance of that kind of takes over and you know, maybe she had the potential, I don't think she did, but maybe she <laughs> had the potential to be a great leader. And in that moment, maybe that's what squashed it. Wow. I genuinely had not heard that before, but hearing it just, Ooh, what, I mean, what a better cautionary tale than that. And I think about that all the time when I'm telling things to my clients or considering whether or not to reveal a piece of pertinent information, because the last thing that I would want is someone to, I don't know, believe something is their destiny so much that they kind of go out and behave arrogantly or fuck it up or I don't know. Yeah. Do I mean, something there's, like that. there's so many fairy tales. There's so many fairy tales about um, the oldest son is the one that's going to vanquish the dragon or the witch or whatever the fuck. And so he rides out into battle uh, just sure that victory is in within reach and then he immediately dies. Or he fucks it up. He falls off his horse. Whatever. And it's always the fool. It's always the idiot who uh, has no idea of his uh, strength or power or whatever 
who actually completes the task. Everybody else dies because mm-hmm. they're too certain that they're capable of it. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's an important lesson that we should <laughs> maybe go back to. Yeah. Right. Astral- using astrology does not make you all powerful and unassailable to all uh, potential mistakes or uh, human hubris. It just means yeah. that you can plan in advance a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh, how did we not say this already? Uh, one of my favorite uh, prognostication situations in a film is obviously The Matrix. Um, oh, sure, yeah. The Oracle did not tell Neo that he was the one. Um, because it would have messed it all up. It's important to, you know, leave some information out. Um, yeah, and even if you tell... Even if you tell somebody that this horrible thing is about to happen, you know, there's so many stories of them. I mean, there's a Daphne du Maurier, Don't Look Now, uh, where the woman goes to the fortune teller and it fucks up everything. There's uh, the, uh, I mean, Oedipus, of course, um, gets to know his future because of the Sphinx and they're like, well, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to fuck your mom and kill your dad. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, that. no, I won't. And then he fucks his mom and kills his dad, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think these stories uh, are important. We should read them. Mm-hmm. The inevitability of astrology is something that I've struggled with as I've experienced my own predictions coming true over the years. Like, this is a, definitely not as big a deal as Oedipus. It's a small example. Several years ago, I was looking at a full moon chart for myself and I... I read, okay, you're going to get in a car accident, but it's going to be a surprise and it's going to turn out for the best. And I was like, first of all, how can it be a surprise if I already know about it? Uh, And second of all, if I'm Mm going to get in a fucking car wreck, how is that going to benefit me? But it turns out that I got in a car wreck. It was a surprise. And uh, the little uh, junky car that I was driving at the time got totaled and I got a check. For it, and I was able to go out and purchase a much nicer vehicle that I still own. Um, you know, that was my first teeny tiny taste of like, does it matter if I know what's going to happen if it's just going to happen, right? Yeah. But yeah. in my mind, that's where it gets into the sort of infinite possibilities. I mean, like science tells us this. There's infinite possibilities at any given time of what could happen, and I don't... I don't believe there's any true one thing that's going to happen to you. I think, you know, all the sort of interconnected points of astrology and the meanings can come together in a variety of ways, right? It's yeah. Ultimately, your I, choices determines it. Yeah, I think I think it's also... I mean, some of the prognostications that I've received. I mean, I remember <laughs> I remember talking to one uh in my early 20s um and she's like, "Oh, well, you're a writer." And I was like, "No, I don't I don't want to I don't want to be a writer. I really don't want to be a writer." <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't I don't want to. Uh she's like, "You're a writer. It's not you're a writer." Um so that was bad. But I think that this news, I think it's okay for the news to be I think it has to be in the sense of like the Hillary Clinton story. I think it has to be disturbing. I, 
I think if we tell people what they, not just what they want to hear, even if it's true, I just don't think it does them that much good. Like, um, I took this trip, I took, I took this trip to, uh, Siena, Italy, cause I really needed some carbohydrates. And so I, I, <laughs> I do to love Italy, Italy but, so yes. um, I, I, I went to Florence, uh, and I saw, I went specifically for two works of art. And the thing that I took from both of them, um, they had like the same message and it was, uh, Michelangelo's David and it was Simone Martini's, um, Annunciation. And these are both uh, works of art about figures encountering fate, um, learning their fate. With David, it's to he slays Goliath. Um, And with, uh, you know, Mary, it's being told by the angel that she's going to bear the Christ child. And in both, like, there was such reluctance and fear and anger (laughs) Um, David in real life looks fucking terrified, which it, he, I've never seen it captured in a photograph, but in real life, when you look at him, he it looks like a scared kid and also a little pissed off that this is now down to him to do this. And in Mary, mm-hmm. her whole body is twisted away from the angel and she has this furrow in her brow like she just told this angel to go fuck themselves. And I like that. I like that. That's, I feel like that's, that's actually what it should be. (laughs) Like when you're told, um, what's going to happen to you and who you are. I think that there's the initial rejection is important. I don't know why I just talked about that, but you know, here we are. No, that is so beautiful. And I, I completely agree with that. There's a um, passage in, I believe it's Exodus, that I come back to all the time when I think about, you know, I don't know how to put this exactly. I feel like the New Age movement or the modern witchcraft movement has this like very comfortable relationship with divinity where they're like, I'm just going to invoke a spirit and just bring him here right now or we're going to be best buds even though I haven't done any sort of uh, like atoning or sacrificing or even like spiritual preparation or reading a book about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in Exodus, when Moses does actually see God, God is like, do you want to see my face? And he looks at him and the passage says that Moses was terrified. Like they didn't run mm-hmm. up and hug, right? He was yeah. terrified. Um, and so I think when you encounter whether it's divinity or your fate, um, there is that initial fear reaction because, I mean, who would not be terrified to realize that they have a personal responsibility now to fulfill a thing? That's the scariest thing in the yeah, world. Because it, it's not, it's not, um, it's not something that's handed to you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the reason I I recommended uh, to a client recently that she read uh, The Once and Future King, uh, the King Arthur oh, story by yeah. T.H. White, because it was this moment of she was reckoning with her own sort of strength and I was like, and had this glimpse of who she was going to be. And I was like, okay, so you've pulled the sword out, but uh, now you have to now you have to figure out how to go from like the kid to the king. Right. So mm-hmm. that book is so wonderful. It's like, uh, you, you realize your fate and it's to be a king. And now school starts <laughs> like now, <laughs> now it starts to suck. Like you have to, 
you have to be worthy of this um, rather than I think a lot of this, this stuff is is told in a way of just like, no, it's fine. You're going to meet someone in six months. They'll be handsome. <laughs> They'll have a lot just of money. Just be patient. All abundance and manifestation is coming to you. Right? <laughs> yeah. So why do you think, why do you think that it's such a, um, a part of modern day astrology, uh, to just be like, this is when this is going to happen. This is, you know, why, why is it such a large part of it these days? I think because it feels good. The illusion of control feels good, right? We all want to think that by using this, uh, sort of mysterious thing of astrology, we can exert some sort of control over our life or the world or something, right? And so I think that ultimately that's the allure. I think as far as modern astrology in general, I think you can sort of find any transit and give it that instant gratification flavor, right? Where you're like, well, Mm -hmm. just wait four months and then Jupiter will be in your second house and you'll get a lot of money, right? And I think there's a sort of spiritual economy aspect to it too. Like you, if you are in it for the wrong reasons, you might feel like you want to just make people happy with your readings. And then you might be frightened to tell them that, well, actually Saturn and Pluto are going to be really hard for you and you really need to get your act together a little bit. And that's, that's okay to have that reckoning, but you need to do it, right? Uh, can I tell you my favorite story that I ever heard about uh, a prediction for a Jupiter transit? Yes, please. So my friend, my friend was told by her astrologer that, you know, because Jupiter was going to be on her ascent, it was going to be a very lucky time. Things were just going to fall into her lap. Everything was going to work out. She was like hoping for a book deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the thing that she was hoping for. And he was like, oh, yeah, Jupiter rules publishing. So it's probably going to happen for you. Uh, and um, the she said the only thing that happened during that uh, span of time was that uh, this gourmet grocery store that she went to gave her a free nice bottle of vinegar. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She said it was the only thing that happened. That is, that is very sad. That's a very sad story. Yeah. It's a very sad story. We really got to fix this overemphasis on Jupiter, you guys. I know. We need to get Jupiter's a Jupiter's not it. that great. Yeah. Jupiter is not that great. As a Jupiter-ruled person, it dismays me to tell you this, but uh yeah, Jupiter is is not yeah. maybe what we think he is. <laughs> so, I'm I'm curious in your readings, um what predictive tools or techniques do you do you incorporate or do you use like you said eclipses aren't so much your thing so are you like an outer planet transits kind of girl or something else um honestly it's just like um i'll be looking at what i'm reading and there's some sort of intuitive jump Mm -hmm. um that i wouldn't normally make i mean i remember kind of the most on the nose that I've ever been because I do try not to um, do predictions uh, was uh, I told somebody that she was going to meet her next romantic partner. I was like, he's basically on top of you right now. Um, 
So it's just like, just look around. And it was such a weird thing to say. And I would never, I, I hardly ever speak like that. And then apparently she met him like two hours later is what I heard. And wow. they're still together. So, Amazing. Yeah. But that's the only, yeah. That is so incredibly yeah. cool. Don't you love when it yeah. works like that? Those are those rare moments where you're like, ha I love it. But what if it hadn't been, like, then I'm haunted by what if I had been wrong and I'd been like, just wait around. He's, you know, just look around. <laughs> just go to the cafe. That would have been awful, I think. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know. It's, I, you know, it's I, part I of have the job. my feelings about it. I think about that yeah. all the time. You're usually incredibly accurate. I remember when you told me to go read William James because we both had Mars and Pisces. And then I, uh, I felt very cool yeah. because I shared something with William James and then. Uh, then I was super inspired to go and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Not quit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts on prediction and prognostication? I figured we've covered the oh, bases we pretty gonna, well. Are we going to tell my drunk oracle story? Oh, we got to tell the drunk oracle story. Did we Please. already tell it somewhere? Did no. we already talk about it somewhere though? We haven't. Okay. Okay, we can end on this. Uh, I have this terrible thing that I do on accident uh, that I've come to uh, call drunk oracle, which is I get wildly inebriated and then I start saying things that I don't know how I know. Uh, like a spirit moves through me, <laughs> but only when I'm trashed and I just start saying shit and then it turns out to be true. But uh, it's all, no one ever wants to hear it. It's not, it's not like, you know, oh, the ring that you lost, your grandmother's ring is underneath the bed or something. It is this, this person uh, is only being nice to you because he wants to fuck you or uh, oh, like I no. broke up a longstanding friendship that way. Uh, <laughs> when I was hanging out with uh, my new husband's friends for one of the first times, there was this couple there and somehow I just started saying, you need to be nicer to her because she is halfway out the door. And then I started telling her, like, if you need to sl sleep on my couch in Berlin, I will give you the keys to my apartment in Berlin. You can stay there. It's a safe place. I feel like you need to some space from him. And then I just started berating him about how horrible he was treating her. And it turns out he was cheating on her <gasps> uh, and all these other things. But how I just met them. I met them two minutes before <laughs> I started this whole thing. Who the fuck? Wow. And then now I can't hang out. I'm not allowed to hang out with them anymore. But um, can't take you uh, anywhere. It's good that we moved away from that city. Yeah, I know it's really bad, <laughs> but it happens a lot. Uh, and I have no control over it, and it's bad. But it's my. It's the only form of prognostication that is um, that uh, I feel okay about actually. Maybe because it's completely uninhibited. You you have no control. Yeah. That shit's coming out anyway. Half the time somebody has to remind me that I did it. I was like, oh, that's why she's not texting me back. <laughs> I feel like that's drunk goals, actually. Wake up the next morning and be yeah. like, I told the future to someone. Yeah, I told them their future. All yeah. right. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs>